What's Happy your name? playoff season, I'm not telling you. Happy you playoff season. You just said you would season. tell us. <laughs> You're a liar. What, what game are you most excited for? Uh, I think, uh, I think Phillies Marlins, honestly. Oh, no, no, no. Rays Rangers because good pitching matchup. Okay. Kratz? Scott's not looking. He doesn't get it. I see it. He's on the pod. Scott's on the pod. Of course it's the Phillies game. I'm so excited to see. It is popping around this town, especially with a 4-0 Eagles team. The Phillies fans are equally nervous and equally excited. So it's I'm excited for it, especially since it's an 8 o'clock game. It'll take about 2 hours and 32 minutes since all the new <laughs> speed-up rules. I can be under my covers what? in no time. It might take 242 because yeah, of the playoffs. a little playoff Things drama. could slow down a little bit. A few more, you know, use your timeouts, that whole deal. <laughs> Every hatter has to use a timeout. Who has to use a timeout? Every hitter. Hatter. Well, their timeouts. Hatter, hitter, batter. Also, I was going to say batter, so I combined them. Hatter. Hats <laughs> and hatters. <laughs> mound visits. You got to use your mound visits. Oh, yeah, mound visits are going to be Just up. a few of those. Well, you know the Rays in. game, Kyle Snyder goes to the mound like, 500 times a game. You can't go 500 times. But he still figures out how to break the system. (laughs) He'll be like, fake an injury, fake a fingernail. I'm coming out again. And he's got such a great gait, too. Long legs, huge, like size 17 feet. It looks like his elbows to his hands. That's his feet. And they just like clawed out there. He's the best. Also, how dare you talk about Kyle Snyder like that? I mean, he is doing, he should be making millions of dollars. Kyle Snyder? Yes. Why? Because from the Tommy the John, from the Tommy to John doctors. No, <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. I kid. I juggle with you. No, he look just at the he does an amazing. No, listen, look at the Rays bullpen amazing. this year. Look at who they've lost, and look at how they're still doing. Look at where they're at. No, I agree. No, listen, he's unbelievable. He's great. Um, he he's one of the best. I mean, he's one of the best. And the Rays, the Rays had Hickey, Jim Hickey, forever. Mm-hmm. He left eventually, and they bring in Snyder, and he's been if as good, if not better. So let's jump into it on the front of pitching injuries, and later we'll talk to Ken Rosenthal and Ryan Helsley. Yeah, there he is. Is it weird when you stare into your own eyes? No. Okay, good. Podcast crowd today that's going to listen later is going to be like, what the hell is going on (laughs) in today's show? Let's charge the damn mound, powered by Tiza. If you're a dipper and it's nicotine or tobacco, just stop it and look up Tiza Energy. So Big Woo is not pitching in the National League Wild Card Series. We found this out soon after Monday's show. He has a right shoulder injury, and his availability is, quote, up in the air for the remainder of the postseason. He said, looking back, there was a velo drop to Miami, which is, was his last start. That was the one where they clinched, right, where they won a billion to nothing? I think so, yeah. So my question on that one, side question, was – Why was he pitching? Right. Once, once you see the drop immediately. Nowadays, I mean, there's – radars and readings on everything but anyway he said through live bp going into the weekend right he didn't do another start and the ball came out well but he didn't bounce back when he played catch yesterday which is then referring to sunday he alerted the medical staff immediately oof eric kratz has to start he hosts brew crew territory he's got the brewers to win the world series big woo is a friend of the show and has been with the team for a long time this is a team that has a chance to make some serious noise and this sucks. It does suck. And he showed that it sucks. Being very emotional on the podium. I texted him last night that, or actually it was this morning, just how bummed I am for him. And he's like, I'm bummed too. He's like, but hopefully 
I can get this thing figured out and it'll be gone forever. You know, not, not saying how long it's going to take, but it's one of those things. It's like, you never want to hear shoulders with pitchers, especially a reoccurring shoulder. Fortunately, it's classified right now as inflammation, but it really hurts the brewers. It really hurts my world series prediction from yesterday. It's not even 24 hours old. The ink is still wet, but the, like, the aspect of the Brewers that they do really well, they run they run prevent super well. It's hard to prevent runs when they're going to face the Dodgers. Easier when they prevent runs against the Diamondbacks because the Diamondbacks can't steal first base. That's where their that's where their strengths are. But if you don't have your third starter, you might be able to get through a three game series. You don't have that third starter. Now all of a sudden you're getting into a bullpen that guys are going to see three times. And when you start seeing the same guys, nasty or not nasty, out of the bullpen, it is it is advantage hitter. You saw it in so many different series where guys, Brandon Morrow's pitching five times in one series. At some point, you're going to get to the nastiest guy, whether they're getting tired or not. And with Big Woo out, it's just going to be more on the – on Abner, it's going to be Abner Uribe. It's going to be more on Devin Williams. It's going to be more on Piguero and Hobie Milner. Like that bullpen wasn't going to need to be taxed because these three dudes can go seven innings with eight plus punch outs. Wade Miley. At, Wade um, Miley, Colin Ray. Who's going to be the, I want to know who's going to start the third game. Start the third game. We might have a game two starter like Wade Miley. Or no. when's Freddie Peralta going to pitch? Freddie Peralta's Freddie, pitching game two. Freddie might pitch game three if they win game one. So they're going to hold him back. It's yeah. possible. So the chance, really? Yeah. So there's a chance based on, and I'm only just reading based on the stuff I read and watching interviews. There's a chance they go Burns. If Burns goes seven, let's say Burns goes seven, then they either go Uribe, Peguero, and Devin Williams. They have an opportunity to rest two of their four high leverage guys they go miley and then they have that off day that extra off day in there not saying that they're they're punting game seven but if you go zach gallon versus miley then you go freddie p unless you win game two and then freddie p lines up for the first series so they're not just thinking one game at a time they're thinking how do we win the most postseason games and this is where things get super interesting with the playoffs. How I just do don't understand why you don't pitch your best two guys your first two games. Because, because you worry about marathon. Yeah, but you better win. And what, okay, let's say Burns loses. You're going to say, hey, we're going to save him for game three. No, 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 no. Yeah. So if they Burns have to loses, win game Freddy's one. Freddie's pitching game two. Okay. Th- this scenario is they win. Burns gives them length. They save Freddie for three, which could also mean a DS. Because no matter what, you got to win two games. So you could look at it and go, oh, we should just put him away in two here. But at the same time, they got to win two regardless. So even if they lost that game two, which is not necessarily in their favor, right? Zach Allen against Freddie Peralta, I would say that's a pretty close matchup. It's not like you're looking at that as a tilt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Gallon hasn't pitched well lately? Gallon's pretty damn good, dude. No, no, I'm saying, yeah. right, right, right. So I'm Gallon like, has the edge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying, no, you said it was kind of equal. I'm like, eh. I mean, nothing against Freddie, but Gallon is no. – been for two years now he's been legit right so then that's now look saying. at game three although game three game three you got merrill kelly yeah game three merrill kelly against freddie p so it, it gets interesting this is why it's such 
a shot to them right off the jump. Yeah, that's why Kratz already wanted to change his World Series pick. You know, the other thing, the Diamondbacks are actually a team that struggled against good fastballs. Like the Orioles have crushed good fastballs. They've been really good on that front. The Diamondbacks have really struggled there um, compared to most teams. Guess who's got a great fastball? Freddie P, obviously, but big woo, baby. Oh, my gosh. He could have had a day if he was feeling it. So this is a huge shot to them. It sucks. I mean, the one other thing to think about is the Diamondbacks um, run their asses off. It's the one part of the run prevention that the Brewers are not, are not great at. at. No, I was, I was going through stats this morning. So uh, mostly Contreras and Caratini, 10.4% caught stealing. Yeah, but that's on the pitchers a lot. I don't know, both. I'm saying, all right, fine. But third worst in that department. So Who's for their run prevention, that? I don't know. And Arizona's second best <laughs> in overall stolen backs. You mean stealing bases, Arizona's second best. Right. Because yeah, they, they run. They're young. They're athletic. They take advantage. I mean, look at their dudes they have. Carroll, Thomas. I mean, everybody's running. As soon as they get on, it's like they're getting the starters block and mm-hmm. see how fast they can get to second. So. It, it's gonna, there's so many, like, when you start breaking down all these matchups, there's so many, like, games in between the games in the game. Right, like stolen bases versus can they prevent? We can't steal first, right? So how do they get to first? And then they're going to try and steal second and third. It's it's all these series are fascinating because like if you look at Texas and Tampa, right? How far can Glass now go? How far can Montgomery go? Because Texas doesn't want to get to their bullpen, right? So you're like, oh man, but then Texas has has owned the Rays like in the trop. So it's like, all right, what do we do? You know, it's it's there's just so many interesting matters. Jays Twins, like like Kratzy said, like the Jays could strike out twenty guys a game. Right, but the Twins have struck out the most in baseball, but they still scored a ton of runs, hit a lot of homers, right? Won their division. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Miami, Philly, you know, everyone's like, oh, Philly's going to cakewalk them. Miami won the season series. So you're like, ah, uh. it's just it's it's crazy how you can dig into the numbers and you can be like make a case for any side in pretty much every matchup. Use the promo code FOUL for twenty percent off your first purchase at TizaEnergy.com. No nicotine, no tobacco. Um, for those dippers and also just for an energy boost. Braun, Kratz, Pierzynski, and getting ready for the beginning of the rest of our lives, the MLB playoffs. But also going over the manager carousel, which continues to twirl. What was uh, who? I mean, I love Phil Nevin, but who? I said this was probably going to happen yesterday. Yeah. We all did, kind of. Yeah, we all did, but... I mean, we, this was one of the overs we counted on, right? Yes. Yep. You will not return as Angels manager... And Sam Blum of the Athletics said no word yet on the future of Jam Paramnation, but some other people reported that he was Harry's safe. Fine. I thought, yeah, yeah, I think he's fine. So I, I don't think they've quote announced it yet, and you just never know what you're going to get. It just depends. Did Artie, you know, wake up grumpy, and then decides <laughs> to do something else? I just don't know. You know, that's how our sport operates. We put AJ. franchise players in the hands of a helicopter owner who has no idea what he's doing and won't pay for your Starbucks. If you go with him, AJ, if, yes, if since, since Ken's coming on, should we just throw our name in the hat for to be a manager's since there's so many openings now? Yeah, let's do it. You don't yeah. have to throw your name in the hat. It's already been thrown. I get DM sometimes about half the guys that are on this show. Hey, this guy should manage this team. And I usually write back to them. I go, no, <laughs> <They're> with <laughs> us, because <laughs> it's not like it's a front office person. I'm like, leave us alone. I want to see Locaine be a manager. That's the one person on our show. No chance. I want to see Locaine. That's exactly what I want to see. 
No freaking chance. He would quit so fast. He'd go, how's my bank account? All right, I'm out. Yeah. Ken yeah. Rosenthal, our FT Senior Insider, with us right now to go over that carousel. Uh, Ken, good to see you. Happy postseason, but let's start with the manager carousel. And thank you for the shout-out on Fair Territory. You know I don't miss a second of it. We went over our over under one and a half. I told AJ this, so when I asked it, and I, I'm, I'm going to say I was a little soft on this one. I actually asked it, and I think what I first said, like within the week, and then I kind of stretched it out. But I think within the week was fine. We said one and a half, and what? We're at three already. Exactly right. And we've hit the over. We hit the over within 48 hours after you asked me the question. And it's not surprising necessarily. And I know, AJ, you just said that the Nevin thing wasn't necessarily a surprise. But what Scott said is also true, that it's just another reflection of the Moreno ownership. Phil Nevin did a reasonable job for the Angels in that year plus that he was the manager. Players liked him a lot. He connects with players. He's not necessarily soft on players, but he has a good way with them as a former player himself. And again, the question I have for the Angels, as always, is what are you doing? What is your direction? What is your plan? Where are you going with this? And we never get an answer because there is no answer and there is no plan. So the Angels carousel continues to turn and We'll see how Perry Menagian handles all of this and going forward. But it's a franchise that, as you said, Scott, is run by a helicopter owner, and it seems to continue to spin its wheels and its rotors, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, Ken, my question then is, Phil Nevin, what could he have done better? You lose Mike Trout, you lose Rendon, right. you lose Otani. I mean, he was pretty good, I thought. And listen, you know and I know we've done, we've done Angels games. Those guys loved him. I did a game yes. last year at the end of the year, and I Mike Trout came out and talked to myself about Phil Nevin and about and Phil. I go Phil, you know I'm, I I've no I know Phil on a personal level, so I'm like Phil, I want to help you, you know, keep this job. Who, who should I talk to? And he goes, How about Trout? And I was like, Oh hell yeah, because Trout never talks usually to anybody, especially when we come in town. You know, he came out and talked to us, you know, for about everything for like 15 minutes about how much he loves Phil Nevin, and I was like, Is there a better endorsement? of the Angels organization and Mike Trout and Phil Nevin talking about how, I mean, what else? There's nothing else Phil Nevin could do. That's why with an expiring contract, it just seemed inevitable. I agree. And Trout said the same thing about him a couple of weeks ago. And fans might say, well, what else is he going to say? But you know what? There are ways to say things and there are ways you can interpret things. And Trout was unequivocal. Most of their players were unequivocal when asked about Phil Nevin. And keep in mind what that franchise went through this year. They were in a good place in about mid-June, I believe it was. And then the injuries hit, one after another. In fact, several on the same day, it seemed. So the injuries hit. Perry Menagian tries to scramble and add some players to the deadline, but it was nothing he could patch effectively. And then, of course, they let those guys go at August 31st before the deadline for postseason rosters being set. So it was a chaotic year. For the Angels, down the stretch, they were keeping guys on the roster who weren't necessarily healthy, but they didn't want to replace them, so they were playing short. All kinds of things went on. Phil Nevin kept his mouth shut, didn't complain, and yet this is his reward. And of the three managerial dismissals so far, I can understand why Kapler is gone. I can understand why Buck Showalter is gone. And yes, I can understand why Phil Nevin is gone, but if you want to tell me or ask me which one is the least justifiable, I would say actually Nevin. And I have a lot of respect for Kapler and Showalter. I'm not saying they 
necessarily deserve what their fate was. But you can understand why those situations went the way they did. I need to hear an explanation of why Phil Nevin was inadequate for this job. We're not going to hear it. With Artie Moreno being the Artie Moreno that he is, is this the least desirable by far open managerial location? Well, the three right now, yes. And if you ask me about the 30, I don't know that I would put it behind Oakland. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not all that desirable, Eric. And you're right. The problem is that there are only 30 of these jobs. And the people who want to manage, they're not necessarily going to be choosy because they understand it's a very limited number of opportunities that they may ever get. And you may never get one. So is it better to be the Angels manager and get fired or never be a manager? Most people would probably say I'd rather take my shot. The thing is, I will say this, the next manager and the next GM after Perry, it's not going to be any different. It's the same song every single time. Guys go in there. Actually, I don't know that every guy goes in there thinking they could change Artie, but people think, okay, fresh start, we'll try. Maybe things will go better. No, it's not going better. It's not happening. Ken, there is, there is one other one that kind of – there's a lot of speculation about, and it's the guy in San Diego. I yes. know he has one year left, I believe, on his contract. And I said this yesterday. They have Him and Farhan Zaidi have a relationship back going back to his Oakland days. Is there any chance that Bob Melvin is the next manager of the Giants? I would say it's not a zero chance. And I don't know what's going to happen in San Diego, whether Preller will survive, whether Melvin will survive, whether neither will survive. But as we wrote in The Athletic a couple of weeks ago, it's an extremely volatile and dysfunctional situation. Something has to give. And I know the owner released a statement yesterday. He loves everybody. Great. The fact is, it's not good over there. And something does have to change. So if Melvin gets fired, would he be a candidate for San Francisco? I would think he would be a candidate for San Francisco. I don't know that that's the way Farhan Zaidi wants to go, but at the same time, it's something that you would have to consider because Bob Melvin is a highly competent professional manager, never had a problem until he got to San Diego, right? So I don't know that it will happen. I don't know that Melvin, like Buck Showalter, wants to keep going. Buck Showalter has said, yes, I want to keep going. I don't know that Melvin will feel the same way after this experience. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But at the same time, Yes, something is going to be different there next year. I feel pretty confident saying that. All right, let's take it to the playoffs. Are the Jays still paper tigers? Ken's words? <laughs> those are my words. <laughs> and I wrote those words after they got swept at home in four games by Texas and got hammered in mid-September. Now, of course, when you write something like that, you realize you could get bit, and I got bit. But at the same time, the Jays all season long have been a tease. They have a roster that you look at the position player group and say, wow, these guys should hit. Two years ago, it led the majors in homers. This year, they were middle of the pack. It's inexplicable what has happened to them offensively. But as they go into the series against Minnesota, their front three might be as good as any, right? Gossman, Bassett, Barrios. Then you look at their bullpen, a bunch of high leverage guys or guys who can pitch in high leverage. Someone mentioned to me another executive from another team said they might have the best combination of rotation and bullpen in the entire postseason. So all they have to do is hit. The problem is that's been the case the whole season, and they really haven't hit consistently. So that series to me, Blue Jays-Twins, is the most interesting of the four. 
And the Twins, of course, have a lot to prove as well. The 18 straight losses in the postseason, all these things that have gone against them. But they have quite a dynamic young position player group right now to go with Correa and Max Kepler and some of the others that have been there. And I'm interested to see how they play this out because their rotation is also very good and their bullpen is also very good. So this could be a really good series. Do we make too much out of the fact that, you know, 18 straight games they've lost in the playoffs? Who cares? This, nobody's been on this team. Like, it's like saying, oh, the Packers have this in the history of the NFL against the Chiefs. Like, do we make too much out of that? Maybe. But, Eric, it's part of their history, at least their recent history, and it's undeniable. Now, most of the guys on the team, if not all of them, were not around for even the last loss. So, from that perspective, they don't care. They weren't part of it. It's not their problem. But it is part of who they are. They have not been a team that has won playoff games in the past two decades. Now, 13 of those 18 losses were to the Yankees. The Yankees are nowhere to be found this October, which is good news for the Twins. But again, I believe they're capable not only of winning a game in this series, I believe they're capable of winning multiple series if they can survive here and get going. I picked him, Ken. So I picked him to win this series against against Kratz's best wishes, which he also picked the Brewers to win the World Series. So I feel good. Uh, before the Woodruff. Before the Woodruff news. <laughs> well, matter. before the Woodruff news, different story. Here nor there. But are the Astros about to punk the AL again, Ken? Are they just? Are you? Are you that sounds like plagiarism. I, I read I'm reading that, that exactly off because because it's such a good line that I know Ken didn't write. So I mean, are they about to punk the AL again, Ken? <laughs> what you think he has a ghostwriter? Maybe. Is I it? wish AJ. I wish I had a ghostwriter. No, I wrote the line. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Actually. I do believe that they are capable of doing that because of what happened over the weekend and really their last road trip in general. They go into the final weekend. This bears repeating. They're two and a half out. What they needed to happen happened. Rangers lose three of four in Seattle. Astros sweep the Diamondbacks in Arizona. It showed me again that this team is a team of championship medal. We've seen that over the years. Forget the scandal for a second, just of who... They have become post-scandal. There's still this experienced, battle-tested group, and you got to knock out the champ. It's kind of like that. I don't know that anyone will. Their starting pitching might be coming together. We'll see. Beyond Verlander and Valdez, if Javier and Okiti can be as good as they were in the last week, I'm not convinced of it. But this is a fine offensive team. We know that. This is a good defensive team, and they have a way. So right now, in my view, they're the team to beat in the American League because none of these other clubs have their experience in the postseason or their savvy. So we'll see. Go ahead, Kratz. I know. You oh, I saying. thought I thought you had one more, yeah. AJ. My bad. The uh, Jordan. My- <laughs> what do you have a ghost talker? Ghost. I have a ghost talker. Somebody. Somebody talks for me to the face. I wish. It, I wish like James Patterson would ghost straight for Ken. That'd be awesome. Brad Thor, something like that. Ken's better than all of them. Go ahead, Tom Clancy. Yeah. They can't write for you. Yeah, I don't so know. You, you had touched on Jordan Montgomery, how he's game one starter. Yeah. This guy is had an unbelievable year. I think he should get some Cy Young votes. It's going to be difficult because he was in two different leagues. Is he looking – I'm talking more contract than playoffs right now. Should he be looking at a contract that's 
similar to Rodon? Well, some of the stats line up similarly. And Jordan Montgomery is entering free agency a year older than Rodon was. And the stats I'm talking about, not strikeout rate. Rodon better in that regard. Montgomery actually below average in terms of strikeouts. But when you look at ERA plus the adjusted ERA to the ballpark in the league, they're comparable. And a comparable number of innings, again, as the two of them entered free agency. You have to look at it from that lens. I don't know that he'll get what Rodon got, but will he be over $100 million? I expect that he will. And he has, since leaving the Yankees, really blossomed into a frontline starter. Now, I know he's only starting game one, perhaps because Scherzer is down and DeGrom is down. But if you guys remember, what I wrote about is that when the Yankees traded him in 2022 at the deadline, their rationale or part of their rationale was we don't believe he will crack our postseason rotation. And he might not have on merit at that time. But... Jordan Montgomery is starting game one right now for the Texas Rangers, and the Yankees are nowhere to be found, as I said. So it's a good outcome for him. And he said to me, they knew. The Yankees knew I would be this guy because they knew how hard I worked. But it took him leaving there for all of this to happen for him. And good for him. He's done a great job. And again, for the Yankees, it did not work out because Harrison Bader did not prove exactly what they thought he could be, even though he had that great postseason last year. But again, Jordan Montgomery, he's pitched extremely well for the Rangers as he pitched extremely well for the Cardinals, and he is going to do well in free agency. And I do think, even though he's in a good spot now, he's one of those guys, Ken, where if he performs really well in the playoffs, especially if the Rangers pull off a series win here and he gets two, three brilliant starts in the playoffs, he could make significantly more. You know, I, I know hey, I agree, owners are paying more attention. You know, the guys that make those decisions, they're paying more attention right now in yes. these clutch spots. So and Aaron we'll Nola, he does. I know I've written, yeah. I've written about Aaron Nola too in kind of the same vein. Aaron Nola has a lot at stake in this postseason because he's had a rocky regular season. His ERA is up around four and a half. If he has a good postseason, it seems to me teams will be willing to forget in free agency what happened in the regular season because he's still that guy. If he does not, then people will wonder, okay, is he in decline? Where is he at? So, yes, the postseason does matter. It creates a strong impression for players who are about to enter free agency. Ken, of the four buy teams, Houston, L.A., Atlanta, Baltimore, who's the most vulnerable in the first round. And lastly, I haven't seen your World Series pick yet, so I want to hear why you're <laughs> picking the Phillies or the Orioles because you love them both. Well, I'm picking different teams and different outlets kind of covering my butt. But <laughs> <laughs> I would say the most vulnerable are the Orioles. And I only say that because of their lack of experience on this stage and because the other teams just have been there more. That's not really a great reason because the Orioles have played so well this year and they've overcome everything you could possibly overcome. They've done well in the AL East. They've done well when faced with their only two four-game losing streaks. They've held off and fought off every challenge. I just worry about their bullpen a little bit without Bautista. I like where the rotation is right now because Bradish and Rodriguez were two of the best pitchers in the American League in the second half, and John Means coming off Tom's surgery looks really good. But I just want to see it all transpire for them. It's not a knock on them at all. It's just, if you're asking me, are they more vulnerable than the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Astros? 
just based on their experience, I would say that might be the case. Now, as for my World Series pick, what I wrote today in The Athletic, listen, I'm always wrong. I literally never get it right. So what I did today was pick two teams where the fan bases have given me a hard time over the years trying to ensure that their teams wouldn't win. It was said in jest. It was all in good fun. But I picked the <laughs> Orioles because I worked in Baltimore for 14 years, 1987 to 2000, left the Baltimore Sun in 2000 for the Sporting News at the time. So I've been gone from Baltimore almost a quarter of a century. I don't like to admit that, but it's true. And their fans are still upset with me because, oh, they think I hate the team. No, I don't hate your team. Now, the Phillies, their fans have a better beef because I wrote last year that they shouldn't fire Joe Girardi. Obviously, that was wrong. But even after I apologized in print and on, I believe, this show, maybe fair to, I don't I've apologized all over the place. I still hear it. So, Phillies, Orioles, that's my World Series. And guess what? Now both teams are doomed. No doubt, but you're the biggest homer I've ever heard. You're taking over. You're getting into Eric Kratz homerism now, right? I mean, holy cow, like the Orioles because their fan base is mad at me and the Phillies because the fan base is mad. I mean, you, you've changed. Now, I can't wait because you just said also, uh, you also just said the Orioles are the most vulnerable team. So I want to make sure Brandon Hyde and Bradish and Gibson and Aaron Hicks and all these guys – when you walk into that clubhouse, because you're doing the Orioles series starting on Saturday, they all know that Ken Rosenthal said the Orioles are going to lose. So, boys, Orioles, get them. <laughs> First of all, the Orioles seem to thrive off of that kind of thing. If you remember, when they won the division, Brandon Hyde pointed to the preseason projections and said, hey, nobody picked us, which is true. So, if anything, they should be thanking me for – saying they were vulnerable, and they should not be thanking me for picking them to be in the World Series. But really, guys, Eric, AJ, you guys know this. All of the things that get written, all of the predictions, all the projections, it doesn't matter. What matters is what happens on the field, and what happens on the field doesn't often match what people think is going to happen, and that is the beauty of the game. It's why we all love it so much and why we all keep coming back. All right, so this is a good way to finish before we promo fair territory because i don't know if aj caught this yet do you know oh, who no. the dork of the, oh he knows you know who the dork of the week was this week uh it was the guy in oakland wasn't it no that was the dork of the that's year. the dork of the year i don't know wow, who the dork good. of the week is dork of the week you're looking at him bottom right corner of your ken screen. rosenthal ken called himself out for i'll let him explain it I guess, words are never spoken and, and you can catch the whole story in <laughs> at length in in fair territory, but my follow-up question was, Ken, was there anything that you could have done? Like, even if you were getting motioned off, do you cut off your report? Your reports are like a minute. It's not like they're super long. Like, are you supposed to stop after 10 seconds and say, just kidding, guys? Like, I'm kind of goofy like that. I might do that. I've probably done that on MLB when back when I was there. Like, just kidding. I'm getting pushed off the field. Got to go. But what would you have done? All right, it's a bit of a long story, but A.J. would have loved it if he was there. He probably would have been talking about it for all nine innings. So what happened was before certain games, certainly all playoff games, I do what we call pregame or pre-first pitch hit. So I'm on the field talking right before first pitch. And usually it's timed so I'm done and the first pitch happens and everything's sequenced perf perfectly. In this case, something happened that was out of my control, but I am standing on the field in Seattle Saturday. 
giving my hit. It was 30 seconds, Scott. It's never a minute. And as I'm talking, I'm hearing the crowd getting restless. Now, the field is behind me. The guys are behind me, the players. And I'm hearing the crowd starting to boo, and I keep talking because there's nothing I can do. The camera is on me. They didn't take it off me. So, obviously, people booed because I was delaying the game, delayed it by a few seconds. Everybody was looking at me in the entire park. Great feeling to have. And when I asked what happened, I was told that the umpire, Trip Gibson, did not pick up on a cue from the stage manager. He was just looking at me. I guess that's the truth. But regardless, unfair territory because I upset the people of Seattle and certain players, although the players thought this was hilarious. I made myself dork of the week. And the other thing that happened, AJ, you would have loved this even more. So about the fourth or fifth inning, the cameraman for the video board at T-Mobile Park comes by and says, Hey, Ken, we're going to put you on the video board. This is a Fox game. We're excited to have you guys. I said, nah, they're probably going to boo again. He says, no, we don't boo in Seattle. Like, nah, it's not good. Well, they put me on the video board. They booed again. Julio Rodriguez runs on the field laughing. But, hey, live TV, things happen. Ken, I'm so mad because, you know, I didn't get to see that because I was doing the other game, <laughs> right? But, I mean, the umpires are told before the game because we had the same thing happen at our game, except we don't have a sideline reporter. So, you know, it was – they were booing me because – no, I'm just kidding. It would never. But, no, but honestly, we're doing the open. So we do an open before the game, and, and we normally do it live. But this time we taped it. And so right when they go to me for my open comments, they gave Gunnar Henderson the Oriole Player of the Year – so the crowd went crazy. And so in my ear, our producer, Carol Langley, was like, do you hear him cheering for your open? Like, that's got to give you energy. <laughs> it was like the greatest timing ever. But, I, I mean, you got to blame Aaron Stoikoff for putting you in that situation. That's that why. The producer? That's the well, producer. Aaron, Aaron's the producer, but I don't blame him. And, AJ, you know this. It's part of the magic of, I guess, being on live television. Things will happen. Usually things like that, when they happen, are not good. But... You have to be prepared for them. And Scott, I never considered stopping, even though I knew something was up, because in my head, I have to give that report. And if I ab abort it in the middle, it just would be kind of weird. So I did it, and they booed, and life went on. Good thing Angel Hernandez wasn't the umpire. He would have kicked you out for delaying the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would have thrown my helmet also, into the stands. Yeah, exactly. Got fined $5,000. He would throw his mic instead of dropping it. But... Also, everybody relax. Probably many of the same people that were in the stands that didn't want to pitch clock, and now everything has to be on the clock. Otherwise, they freak out. 30 seconds well, of life. All right. I, actually, Scott, if I'm a fan and I'm watching a reporter on the field talking when Luis Castillo is standing out there for the biggest game of the year waiting to pitch, I, I might have booed myself because it's kind of a ridiculous situation. At the same time, oh, wait, Scott Service is calling. Wait, what? Oh, it was Rosenthal's Castillo calling? was terrible. It was Rosenthal's? He was terrible. That was their didn't season. Lost, didn't make the playoffs? I forgot oh, about okay. that. Thanks, Scott. He had five walks. I watched oh, he was awful. Game. He was terrible. Yeah, you never know. Castillo's been so good. So, you're right. Now they're going to blame you. You're going to hear from <laughs> Seattle fans forever. Uh, Ken, enjoy the postseason, the, the whole uh, wild card madness we got the next few days, and we'll talk to you later this week. Sounds great, guys. Thanks. Hot corner time as we wrap up the 2023 regular season, get ready for the postseason. We do have some numbers to crunch, and let's let it sizzle. MLB umpires 
This according to Codify Baseball. Missed over 21,000 balls and strikes. Calls, ball and strike calls. During the 2023 regular season, it was their best season ever. Listen, I mean... It's easy to dunk, I know. Okay, but here's the thing, like... Is a ball this far off the plate and they call it a strike, right? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like you, I you, do know what you're the saying. The technology has gotten so much better to where they can now see what's a ball and a strike so much better. But it was also their best season ever. So they deserve credit for getting, I know, the 21,000. They deserve credit. This was truly their best season ever, their lowest miss rate of all time. Way to go, umpires. I mean, way to go. You guys are working. You got listen, as a player, all you ever cared about was the guy won. He cared and he was consistent. Now, if you if he was always calling away, you'd get a report and say, hey, listen, this guy has a big strike zone. He usually calls it away. So you'd go up there and be like, okay, I gotta look away. And he'd call one. You're like, ah, crap. Okay, he's gonna call it away again. So you gotta look out over the plate, right? But as long as they're consistent with it. I mean, you guys played, so I I just so Am I wrong, Kratz? You just wanted the guy to be consistent. But Kratz, see, for me, the, it's not the numbers, you know, like, oh, they're 90 whatever percent right. Like, cool, that's fine. It's just that, like, in a big spot, right, when they make a blatant miss, it's so brutal. <laughs> it's brutal, but I know how Scott's looking at it. Scott's looking at, we could fix this. It could be zero. It could be zero mistakes. And they're not there yet, or else we would have it. They're not there. They don't – they – I think if you really delve into this, you really delve into what robo umpires without a challenge system is going to look like, it's going to look, the offense is going to crater the first year. Because I think there's going to be spots that hitters are like, what? That touched the zone? And teams are going to exploit that because they can, it's within the rules. So we can't go from 21,000 down to zero mistakes because the machine is not ready yet. And I love, I, love the, I love the challenge system. I love that part of it just so we get it right. And it eliminates what you just said, Scott, like a big situation. We just can't get it wrong in a big situation. But every pitch is a big situation. AJ knows this. Like you, you, miss, a, you miss a 1-1 pitch, it makes it a 1-2. Or a 2-1 count. Like, there's a huge swing in production and batting average in those in those counts, in those swings. Two, two things on what he just said well, before we show this. Oh, it, it's there. Batter suffering the most called strikes on pitches out of the zone during the 2023 regular season. Rutschman, Bregman, Reynolds, Betts, Rosarena, Paredes, and Seiya Suzuki. Take it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, whatever. They all a couple of the guys at the too. top have good eyes. Yeah, they exactly. play a lot. They have there. good eyes. Right. Yeah. The counting stats get tough for me. Yeah. But, okay, so two things in what Crouch just said. One, if you want to go automatic strike zone, you better learn how to hit a curving ball because <laughs> they're going to start throwing those big Rick Sutcliffe curving balls that <laughs> and fall right on cool. top of the Those plate. are awesome to watch. But, like, EFIS pitches because Great. I'm serious because, like, if you can throw a super slow curveball, all it's got to do is touch the front of the plate. Just right, and if it just nicks the front of the plate, and it can almost land, it can be coming straight down, and boom, hit the front of the plate. As long as it ticks your knee, ha! Love it, great. Then learn to adjust to those. These are professional hitters; they will figure out how to hit that pitch. And my answer to what Kratz was saying is yes, they might find a cheat code, a little glitch in the system that pitchers will try to exploit. But it's a game of adjustments. The hitters will go, "Hey, there's that one spot. We got to figure it out." That's like 
a hole in my swing or a hole in the strike zone right now. For me, it's all worth it. And yes, I agree. It's not there yet. It sounds like it'll be there, not for 2024, but for 2025. Because, I mean, we can get into it another time. But, like, they're looking to take your batting stance over a time period and make that the strike zone. How many big leaguers are going to bitch and go, oh, I change mine every week. That You can't do that, right? So there's still shit to figure out. I get that. Here's what I can't stand. So then guys are going to start squatting down for like two years. And then when the strike zone comes, they're going to stand up and it's going to be like, oh, not even two years. You can do it after a few months. <laughs> or there's going to be mean, a guy that stands all the way up and then he squats down. They're going to be calling pitches over his head strikes. Like, good, see, this, good luck. This doesn't though. work. Good luck. And then the other, hold on. When you're done crying and whining and moaning, Kratz, the more arguments I got in with umpires after they would miss a call like 1 1 or 0 2 and it'd be 1 2 and a guy would get a hit. And I'd be like, that's your fucking fault, asshole. Because. Right, so you want it for because just they change the count, so you can tell guys that they're wrong. I would where, tell them anyways if they're wrong, even what? when they were right. What are you going to do? Yell at yell at the computer? And Manfred said, well, "No, I'm not, I don't like play anymore. I don't care anymore." I, I know, but Kratz, my point is, you know, a pitch that's three feet outside. Um, I'm exaggerating, but like enough. It, it's just like the replay system where I always remember who was it? Todd Helton at first. He fakely caught it where he was like eight feet away from the bag, and they oh. called the out. Do you remember that that famous oh, yeah. play? That was brutal. And I was like, that needs to be shown forever oh, to Andres anybody Sc- that ever says, why Andres do we uh, Andre Scalarog right, is right. the old. Well, Jim Joyce, one of the great guys, too. Of all, I'm going to say this. I had an umpire. I'm not going to use his name, but he's everyone would know his name if I told you. When <laughs> Replay first came out, he told me, I said, hey, how do you like Replay? What do you think of this Replay thing? He goes, huh great i don't even have to try on the bases anymore they'll clean up all my mistakes i mean that is not the right attitude to have as an umpire that is insane who is that totally i'm not going to tell you (laughs) and that's the thing and that's the thing the guy that you said that's exactly what you said at the beginning like you just want somebody that shows they care just the other day when i told that story about the day game in oakland and a sunday night espn game in chicago you want them to care and that is why they they will do a great job if they care, I'm more a proponent of penalty system, like a you got to do well or you're getting shipped out. See in triple. I agree. By the way, it was Armando Galarraga, just not Andres Galarraga. He didn't throw any. Perfect oh games. right, Andres Galarraga was <laughs> he was a good hitter, <laughs> big cat. He was the big cat. It's all right, dude. We have your back. We we always have you. We got you. I'm kidding. I'm saying to you. Like, if you say a name wrong, we just laid you yeah. out to dry and didn't even help you out. That no. wasn't me. It was Kratz. I, I said, I I said it, and then, I, and then I, oh, I tried to help him it. out. Oh, I tried to help him out yeah. and, said, and, and agree with me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, Andres Calaraga. Absolutely. Yeah, I am. <laughs> We're great teammates. But then, you know, our producer gets in our ear and is like, it's not Andre. It's, it's Armando. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the postseason conversation as we are very close to games beginning. And I'm so excited. we are going to look ahead. I am so excited too. I'm we have so playoff rosters out. I mean, the one that stood out to me, Jared that, Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen, not Jared. Pillsbury Throwboy. Pillsbury Throwboy. The the huge dude on the hefty Kentucky. lefty. He was fun to watch. Michael Lorenzen, um, acquired by the Philadelphia Phillies, and dealt a no hitter and looked fire. His changeup was. But nasty. he was at bat after that. So. I think we talked about this for a sec last time. What is the story? Did he just run out of gas? Because he threw 120. He's been a reliever, pitches, didn't he? In that game. He yeah, but I'm not talking about that game. But I'm he kind of know what I'm saying though. Is after that game though, he kind of he kind of regressed a little bit. I think. Right, Crouchy? Am I wrong? Yep. You're Mr. Philly guy. 
No, you're 100% right. He just, you know, a lot of his pitches were up. He didn't quite have that late life on his pitches, his changeup. His changeup, actually, when they moved him to the pen, started to play a little bit better, got into some higher leverage games. And then, you know, down the stretch, he was he was useful out of the pen. But you're looking at it, three-game series, Taiwan Walker's probably going to get moved to the pen. You're probably going to throw Ranger in. I think it would have been different had you had to set your – you had to set your uh, roster for wildcard and the NLDS. And I think he could be back on the roster for the NLDS. But, you know, he's the odd man out. They're probably going with more of a, you know, even even Ranger. I don't know that – I don't know what his length is. But they already have enough length in either Taiwan going game three or Ranger going game three. I haven't, I haven't heard, but I'm assuming it's Ranger and the other one will go to the pen. So you just want more relievers in that case. Oh, rocking the Joe, Johan Santana Jersey. Uh, yeah. Also just to finish up on Lorenzen, 153 innings by far career high for him too. Just okay. so everyone knows he hasn't been over even at the hundred mark since 2015 is rookie year. Anyway, um, Pablo Lopez entering the ballpark today in a Johan Santana Jersey. And the short shorts. Are those compression shorts? Don't be jealous because he has smaller clothes than you. Well, his clothes don't fit. You guys don't give him shit. Well, because he's a nice fella. Don't mess okay. with the Johan. <laughs> Do you, I'm pretty sure, though, Johan Santana was on the mound the last time they lost was in the game. The last time they won. Was he? The last time the Twins won a playoff 2004? game. It was 2004. Game one? They've, won, they've lost 18 games Was that since. game one against the Yankees? I don't know. I know in I know in two thousand three when we wanted to beat the Yankees, it was it was who was it? It might have been Johan too. To ask Stat Boy. Stat Boy? Oh, we don't have him. Johan <laughs> Johan in two thousand three we beat the Yankees in game one and we lost the next three. And he was I think he started that game. Two thousand two, I know he gave it up to Adam Kennedy, hit his third homer off of him. In the so that's that shows. That shows that the twins what I said earlier, they're watching. Oh, trust me. They know that 0-18. I guarantee you. They might there's oh, that we weren't on this team. Listen, I promise you that that has been brought up by the media, not by the organization, but by the media. They, they're aware. They push, they push that narrative. I just think it's like, so what? Like, that has no bearing on what we've done this year. But it, okay, so when they met last minute of the playoffs, what was it, two years ago, they said the same thing? And guess what they did? They lost three more games and went home, or two more games and went home? So – then it's just like, oh, the narrative doesn't matter. We're a new group against the Yankees. Uh, two and out, see a wild card, whatever it was, whenever they lost. So, I mean, as much as you want to push, it doesn't matter. Until you end it, and then you got to win a series, because they haven't also won a series since 2002. I mean, over 20 years. So, until you end those, just end it, and then it all goes away. But if you don't end it, it just keeps piling on and on and on. I keep saying I was the last catcher to win a playoff series with the Twins. Mm-hmm. Oh, you love it. And I picked the twins. I kind of got to, now I got to root against them. You love it. You love it. No, I picked the twins. Oh, you picked the twins. AJ is the, AJ is the Miami Dolphins. I'm the 72 Dolphins. Pop the champagne when they lose. Yep. Two nothing (laughs) in the DS. Santana, seven innings, nine hits, five Ks. And they won. Yeah, and they won. Um, By the way, one more, a little quickie here on the Rangers. Um, Apparently, GM Chris Young said the following, quote, I'm very disappointed in the lack of professionalism of the Houston journalists for putting that out there. It's classless and it's not appropriate. and It's completely fabricated. It's wrong. That's talking about 
the Rangers partying too hard. Yep. I guess some media put that out there McTaggart. for Saturday. And it, it, did he say that? Yeah, he did. Well, he said he said he said, "Oh, well, I guess it it shows that the Astros having a little bit more of a subdued celebration really paid off." Where the Rangers went out and partied, and that's what I was talking about yesterday. Evan Grant was like, "This is a false statement." He he tweeted back at him that this is false. They did they did very little partying. Like after they partied the- in the clubhouse, though. Also partying. I mean, I don't like. I think that's going a little too hard. Like to me, that's a little sensitive. Like he can't say that they se- also they should celebrate. They made the fucking playoffs. The Astros were like, "Nah, we make the playoffs every year. We're making the division here." It's not about how much alcohol was consumed. Trust me, lose. there's they been plenty of games of won by they people didn't lose who because have of that. They lost because they lost. Right. I hate. I hate this. I hate this narrative. I hate the excuses. And have you have you guys ever had a drink and the next day played ball well? <laughs> I mean, I've had a drink. The same day and played ball well. Okay, so <laughs> I had a drink during the game. There we go. I know well. there's quote hangover games, although most of the time the hangover games are the B lineup. It doesn't have to do with oh the player had yeah. five drinks the night before. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's it was bad. It was bad. Um, I don't. I think it's cool that that Cy stood up and stood up for his team, but I also think it was due to that bad reporting. McTaggarty, who wasn't even there, reported something that was false. When you, right. when you have someone there with a clicker, okay, they've had 47 Yeah, but beers. I don't feel – The Astros have had 12. You They're guys are win. taking this too, like, literal in my mind. He's not, like, breaking news. The Rangers had five beers, and the Astros' average beer was one. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, oh, they partied. They celebrated that they won – um, a playoff spot. They clinched a playoff spot. Like, okay, cool. Like, let him say that. That's fine. And guess what? It is true. The Astros did nothing in the clubhouse. I'm not saying it affects the games at all. It's more just like how they looked at their current state in the game, which is true. The Astros definitely were a very subdued celebration compared to any team yeah. that clinched a playoff spot. They just but did a little have, champagne toast. It didn't go into the win or lost the next day. I understand, but like, okay, I don't know. I I'm feel against like going a little too hard on this. I'm against I'm against the subdued champagne toast. I go back to 2018. Joe Madden, who's very, very, you know, he's very scripted. He knows exactly milestones that are coming up. They never celebrated making the playoffs the year that we were we were neck and neck with them. They made the playoffs. We made the playoffs, I think, like a day or two later. We celebrated like rock stars. Then they never celebrated, ended up tying them in the regular season. They go to game, we go to game 163, lose. So we celebrated in their house. The Rockies come in, lose in overtime. Cubs never celebrated that season. And I think that is, it's different for veterans who have been in postseasons. I get it. You don't have to go hard. But that, there might be somebody on that team that never makes the playoffs and never again in their entire career. To me, you celebrate it every time like it's going to be your last. Yeah. 100% agree. I'm good with that. Hey, let's slap hands. Amp caller on the line, name, team, 
And question or comment? Hey guys, it's Mason again. I'm a Yankees fan. And out of the eight starters, who do you think is going to give us the best performance today? Good question. Thank you, Mason. You guys going to your probables? Oh, no, you went right to the baseball card. Bam. You got Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns, my guy. Do you think that's Corbin because Burns. he's the best throwing, or do you think that's because he's facing the coldest lineup? No, it's because his baseball card was sitting next to me. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that, and I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I think Glassnow is going to probably strike out the most because that was my lock. Well, not the strikeouts, though. Who's no, I think Corbin Burns is going to pitch good. Okay. The team that hasn't been in the postseason, Corbin Burns has been through it. The lineup didn't do anything for the last three games. They're pretty cold right now. They've been struggling to score runs. I think he's going to eat them up with that cutter. They have a lot of lefties. He can, can cutter them up, those lefties. And he, he does a decent job with the running game compared to the other guys. I'm going to go with Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler's had a lot gosh, of success. Homer, I, I, took your, I took your Milwaukee picks, so you're going, gosh, even we're all red. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's What do you what – <laughs> I am not a homer. I would never allow myself to choose one team. And I just, it's just one of those things. I would never choose a team to really follow and root for. Okay. Podcast crowd. Um, Kratz is drinking a drink that has um, Philly's logos on it. I have a bunch so, of other cups too. So I'm going to, I'm going to break them all out during the postseason. Can't wait. Let's finish with this. Um, Awful announcing does a great job covering media in general. They said ESPN has TV rights to the wild card round of the postseason. Oh, by the way, join Ant, follow at Foul Territory, and you can be like Mason, call in and get our instant response and talk to us. Okay, Mason's our first us. repeat caller. He is. Love we that, allowed Mason. him because he did a great job the first time. So yep. he was allowed back. Good job, Mason. So awful announcing said ESPN has TV rights to the wild card round of the postseason that starts today. This is a 24 hour network, by the way. A short promo for today's games was read twice on Get Up, once on First Take, according to a closed captioning search that they were the only mentions of the playoffs from 8 to 2 on ESPN today. Now, <laughs> I've, I've got two sides here. First off, I mean, you know you're not going there for baseball. That ended a long, long, long time ago. And for real talk baseball, I mean, I'm biased, but there's really there's one place. But also, I don't want Stephen A., or your boy Pat, or any of those guys talking baseball. They don't know baseball. So I don't, I mean, even if they did try to talk about it, it actually would be worse. You'd have you know, Stephen A saying Kiner Leaf was the worst thing since. Oh, if you like, the know. Yankees are going to win the World Series. Right, exactly. The Cowboys are going to win the World Series. That would be like asking me to, I don't know, talk about some NASA project that's going on right now. Like it's complete cluelessness there. So. No, but they still should. I mean, they should have talked. They should have at least had a segment where they were like, Hey, take your best guesses. You don't know anything, but I mean, it's the playoffs. How about this? Bring on guests. Their, but they don't really. The thing is, they don't really have a baseball guy anymore because they they, they, they really they have, have some people. They, have, they could have had like Passing David Cohn or yeah, but or Cohn, but, right? You know, or Eduardo Perez. Even somebody that Even works Garkin. for them. They have people. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying like they don't have. I don't think Teixeira works there anymore. They don't do like a Sunday night baseball thing. It's Passing and Kirkchen a lot, right? Yeah, but they I, still could have brought on somebody and said, "Okay, give us your best guess on what's going to happen in these series." We have them. Yeah, we're broadcasting them. We want people to tune in, make us excited. Also, if only there wanna... was, if only there was a hot new up and coming show that talked about with, you know, talked with players about upcoming baseball series and things like that that they could have called upon and just been like, "Hey, you know, advertise the games." 
Yeah, but crap, it's so expensive. You need all those cable packages and whatever. Oh wait, no, it's free on YouTube? Mm-hmm. and everywhere else. It's Come on aboard. You don't have to pay a billion dollars and stuff. Wait, I hear the music. I hear the music. This was my American Legion hat. Are you kidding me? No way Are I found you kidding my me? American Are you Legion kidding hat. Me? That thing. What size is that hat? It's the same size. My hat, my head size doesn't change. I was a high school <laughs> yeah. kid with Are the you... same size head. Are you on the last buckle? Two. <laughs> when you do the last one, it's like everyone. I'm gonna miss my flight. Happy postseason, everyone. I'm going to LA. I'm gonna be doing the show from LA. Reporting from Dodgers. Playoffs, Stadium. thank you, Jesus. See ya on Wednesday. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.